0: Welcome to the Fintech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 403. This is your host, Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Fintech Nexus. Before we get started, I want to talk about our boutique all-meetings event, Dealmakers East, happening at the Ritz-Carlton South Beach on February 7th and 8th. Dealmakers East is all about meetings. There are no keynotes, no panels. It is 100% focused on hand-curated meetings. Whether you are looking to meet fintech CEOs, bankers, or investors, we have you covered. Our Dealmakers events have consistently been our highest-rated events. So go to fintechnexus.com to find out more and register. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Brian Kass. He is the Managing Director and President of CMFG Ventures, and that is the venture capital arm of the CUNA Mutual Group. So they're all about credit unions. So wanted to get um, Brian on the show because he's got a really unique perspective when it comes to fintech coming out of through really a, a credit union lens. And we talk about obviously the investment thesis for CMFG. We talk about some of the investments they've made and we talk about the the different funds they have, the amount of capital that they've deployed and uh, details of their new initiative, the FinTech Forum. Brian also provides his perspective on FinTech valuations and and the wild ride that we've been on the last couple of years. He talks about the challenges for the credit union industry and uh, what his vision for the future is, and much more. It was a fascinating discussion. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Peter, great to be here today. Okay. Well, let's kick it off by giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. Tell us tell us some of the, the highlights of your career to date.
1: Yeah. So I... Uh entered the world of venture capital maybe in a a somewhat unusual path, but it really took me about 14 years of practicing law to realize that I wanted to do something more than review contracts and make sure commas were in the right place. And I had an opportunity about six uh, and a half years ago to take over our venture capital fund at CUNY Mutual Group, which is our parent company, and really jumped at the opportunity and have not looked back since, and uh, you know, since that time, have really built out a pretty robust portfolio of companies. And my days of practicing law are now in the rearview mirror.
0: Tell us a little bit about how CMFG Ventures kind of came to be. Were you, did you take over from somebody, or were you the founding kind of leader there?
1: Yeah, I'll tell a little bit about the the background, and, and maybe it's helpful even to share a little bit about CUNA Mutual, which is our parent sure. company. CUNA uh, Mutual is an insurance and financial services company, but what's unique about CUNY Mutual is that we have really deep ties into the credit union space. So about we work with about 95% of all the credit unions in the United States, provide insurance protection to over 20 million credit union members. And back in around 2015, when sort of the emergence of fintech really started to take off we saw an opportunity and a need to really kind of plug into the amount of change and disruption that was occurring soon after we launched the venture capital arm, which is CMFT Ventures. I transitioned into that position to lead the group probably about six months after we officially launched.
0: Okay, okay, great. So then do you have a, like a mandate or what is the, the investment thesis?
1: Yeah, so the investment thesis and really sort of our strategic focus is to invest in companies that we see either current or future opportunities to create partnership opportunities between those fintech companies and the financial institutions that we serve. So really looking at fintech companies that can help address the technology needs of of our customers. So those credit unions that that I mentioned, or that have products or services that can be offered through the credit unions to the 130 million credit union members that are in place here in the United States today.
0: So then do you only invest then in fintech companies if they're working with credit unions today or have the potential to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say about half of our companies uh, that we've invested in have current partnerships in place with credit unions. So half of them do not. And, you know, really with a number of the companies, probably most of the companies, you know, there's either an immediate or, or near-term opportunity to create these partnerships between credit unions and, and our portfolio companies. But in other cases, you know, we're looking at companies that can really broadly address financial needs of, of consumers. That's really at the core of CUNY Mutual's mission to make financial services readily accessible to all. So really, you know, that mandate can expand beyond companies that are just looking to to partner with banks and credit unions.
0: Right, right. Got it. So then are you looking at like all fintech verticals or are there specific niches within fintech that you're most uh, focused on?
1: I'd say we really have kind of three main verticals. The first category would be companies that are in the lending space. So lending is really the lifeblood of... Credit unions. And so we're looking at solutions where we can leverage the partnerships that we have with credit unions to help support those companies. The second category I would describe as banking technologies that have B2B solutions. So these might be companies that can help drive automation into credit unions. So Posh is an example of a company in our portfolio that has a lot of conversational AI. That is being utilized by credit unions. Zest provides a lot of uh utilizes AI as well to assist in credit union underwriting uh, of their loans. And then sort of the third category of companies um, I would characterize in the financial wellness space. Mm -hmm. And you know, these are companies that are again looking to help improve sort of the financial well-being of consumers. What we like about these companies is that in many cases, They create opportunities for credit unions to engage with their membership. Perhaps it creates opportunities for credit unions and banks to work with these companies to attract new members. So really, you know, kind of looking at how can we work with some of those companies to create those partnerships. We have a company that we've invested in called Goal Setter, and they're a a banking app for teens and their their parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really looking at a way to, to start educating kids as early as eight years old on, on being financially savvy, recognizing the importance of savings. But we see Goalsetter as, as the type of solution that credit unions can offer to their young membership to really kind of bring in that next generation of,
0: of customers. Yeah, that's super important. So you're mainly investing in sort of more established companies. I mean, what stage of company are you most focused on?
1: We actually have two funds for CMFG Ventures. Probably our focus is really series A and B stage companies for that initial investment. But last year, we created the Discovery Fund, which invests in pre-seed and seed stage companies that are led by founders that have historically been underrepresented in the venture capital space. So these would be uh, women founders, founders of color, and other underrepresented groups that are leading fintech companies. So if you kind of look at our portfolio, we have everything from pre-seed to pre-IPO. So we, right. we really can kind of run the, the gamut and have in terms of investments that we've made.
0: Right. And some that actually have gone IPO. I'm curious about the size of the fund. Like Maybe you could just break down like the discovery fund, I imagine, is much smaller. You talk about pre-seed and seed. What's the size and what's the size of the regular fund?
1: Yeah, so CMFG Ventures invests off the balance sheet of our parent company. Since we launched back in 2016, we just um, are, are close to hitting 300 million dollars of capital that we've invested uh, into our portfolio. I would say, you know, average check size ranges from you know anywhere from one to ten million dollars for those Series A and B stage companies. With kind of the probably the average initial check being. You know, 3 to 5 million dollars with the discovery fund you know those are smaller checks earlier stage companies really looking at you know writing checks up to 1 million dollars uh we've already invested in 16 companies in the discovery fund since we launched uh last year and you know target around 5 million dollars a year for discovery fund companies and for cmft ventures we're now targeting about 70 million dollars per year.
0: Basically your your capital is coming from CUNA Mutual Group, right?
1: That's correct.
0: You don't have any other LPs in the in the fund?
1: Yeah, we're a single LP fund that invests right off the balance sheet of our parent company.
0: Right. Gotcha. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the you know the environment. You've been doing this since 2016. So 2016, 2017 18 19 even pretty normal kind of uh, years you know valuations were were increasing then we saw the pandemic and boom everything went crazy uh, so just take us through sort of what the last 3 years have been like and do you feel like now it's back to normal
1: yeah it's been a wild roller coaster ride i i can remember it, w- it would have been march of 2020 And we gathered the team together and, and, you know, we wanted to do a health scan of every company in the portfolio, how much capital did they have, and to report to our investment committee on on sort of what to expect. None of us would have expected that, you know, what would happen over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months um, with the amount of capital that our portfolio companies were able to raise... And then, obviously, you know the valuations of, of companies in this space, you know, really accelerated. And I, I don't know that anyone would have predicted that when in the early days of the pandemic, we kind of thought things might go the other way, where capital right. would would dry up, and so we were counting the months of runway for each of the companies in the portfolio. I mean, I think when you look ahead to where we're at today, yeah, you know, it really is has been sort of a, a yeah, if you think about a pendulum swinging, you know, we probably swung very far to one direction in 2021 in terms of the amount of capital being deployed, you know, valuations, you know, going through the roof. Now you go to kind of, you know, the second half of this year, I wouldn't say the capital is like seized. and And I mean, there are certainly are deals that are getting done, but it's much, much harder for companies, I think, looking to raise capital. It's taking a longer period of time and you know valuations are are really coming down probably to where you know realistically uh should be you know relative to kind of the, the stage and growth of the company so we're probably entering more of a, a normal period with the exception of we're just not seeing maybe as many funds deploying capital right now
0: right did you deploy capital all the way through? Did you kind of jump on some of the you know the valuations that you might have, you know, in 2019 you would have paused and said there's no way we're doing that? But tell us a little bit about what you did. We do
1: think that there are a lot of great companies out there that are very worthy of of venture capital funding. And you know, now you know, as an investor, you know, it's great to kind of see more normalized valuations. And so we've continue to deploy capital. And we're also looking at our existing portfolio companies. So you know many companies today are, are really looking to, you know, the inside investors to to raise some bridge capital to get them through this period. So it's really been a combination of, you know, those two things. We've we've added, you know, probably six or seven new companies to CMFT ventures, you know, probably eight or nine new companies in the Discovery Fund. So we've been very active. Increasing the size of the portfolio, I think we'll end the year very close to deploying to the seventy million dollars of capital that that we've targeted. So, yeah, we continue to still be active and think there are some good opportunities out there.
0: So, have you like changed your or did you change your due diligence process? You know, during the crazy days where hundreds of millions of dollars were being raised, seems like every week there was a there was another company. From your seat, did you kind of have to take? At least on a timeline basis, you had to take a shortcut because deals were getting done so quickly. I imagine. So, what what was that like compared to what it is like now? Is now the time where you can, you know, take as much time as you did in twenty nineteen?
1: Yeah, I would say probably you could almost take more time today. Um, right. You know, the number of companies that we talk to who are raising capital that at least assert having an oversubscribed round but lack a lead investor is. Sort of more the norm right, so we certainly can take time on the diligence front, contrast that to 2021 i I would say we remain diligent in terms of if we weren't able to do the level of diligence required to get comfortable with a company you know, we were not investing what we saw even with companies in our portfolio is yeah, they could sometimes you know raise a deal in a matter of of weeks. And, and a lot of times, you know, those investors were taking the entirety of the around. So we weren't even, you know, a lot of the existing investors did not uh, have an opportunity to participate. I wouldn't say the pendulum has swung back to the middle here, but in, in terms of the speed at which deals and velocity at which deals are getting done. But, you know, as an investor, it's nice where we have time now to to actually kind of do the proper diligence on these companies
0: right i want to ask about the fintech forum you guys have tell us a little bit about the cmfg ventures fintech forum
1: you know really we're brainstorming last year in terms of now that we've built out a very significant and kind of broad portfolio of companies our mission really is to to enable credit unions to remain relevant and to stay competitive with all the change that's going on so we had to find an opportunity to create an environment to bring fintechs and credit unions together, a place where they can collaborate. In many cases, a, a place that provides a forum for credit unions to learn about fintech companies, what some of the trends are, and how credit unions can leverage those trends to their advantage. So, we created the Fintech Forum. It's a community, again, that's purpose is to bring fintechs and credit unions together. We do that through a series of webinars, demos. We'll be launching actually a, an online platform where we can post content, videos, uh, enable credit unions to connect with other credit unions. And since we launched uh, just just under a year ago, we've already added 2,200 members to that community, primarily executives and senior leaders from credit unions, leaders from fintech companies and then others in the industry. So we'll have our, our last webinar of the year looking at sort of what, what are the top credit union fintech trends for, for this year and what to expect in 2023. And we're proud about you know just the size and, and really sort of the interest that both fintechs and credit unions have demonstrated to kind of work together.
0: Right, right. Okay, so I want to talk about credit unions specifically for a minute because they're obviously huge numbers of people that have as their primary financial institution is a credit union. And what's your feeling of the state of play in credit unions today and how have they they fared the last couple of years?
1: There are credit unions across the full spectrum when we look at sort of the steps that they've taken to kind of adapt their businesses to all the technological changes that have been really introduced into financial services over the last decade. You know, we have some credit unions that are, are really on the leading edge of things. Many, though, that are just starting to kind of dip their toe into the water of partnering with fintech companies. And you know, what I tell credit unions is you know, I, I look at sort of these major technology shifts as really presenting probably the greatest threat and also the greatest opportunity for credit unions. You know, when you look at the credit union industry as a whole, their technology budget is about $6.2 billion. That's for the entire wow. industry.
0: Not as much as Chase.
1: <laughs> See, I was going to say, Chase has uh, a tech budget that's you know, nearly double that. And so what I tell credit union leaders is you know, really the only way that you're going to be able to compete is by finding good partners with fintech companies that can deliver the technology and experiences that sort of your members have come to expect. And if you don't do that, you can't build this level of technology anymore. You have to partner. I think that message is really getting through. And what we've seen is just a pretty significant increase in the number of fintech partnerships and inbound interests of credit unions that, that really want to you know, get involved with, with these types of relationships.
0: Got it. Okay. So then... Do you feel that I mean, credit unions are more open now to these partnerships than they have been in the past?
1: Yeah, definitely more open to partnerships. You know, we've tracked partnerships that we've been able to create through the fintech forum, for example. Yeah, you know, we've now created, helped create several hundred, actually several thousand uh, partnerships between. Companies in our portfolio, for example, and and credit unions. So we know that that those types of relationships are becoming more common. Yeah, I compare that to 2019. I spent a lot of time out on the road speaking at different credit union conferences, and I used to ask uh, for just a show of hands or for credit unions that had fintech partnerships, and you know maybe you'd get ten or twenty percent of the room to raise their hand. You know, today that's more about like 80 or 90%. And I think the pandemic, you know, really just accelerated a trend that was already well underway, you know, sort of the the digitization of financial services uh, was accelerated because of the pandemic. So, you know, that's created a lot of interest that that didn't exist 4 or 5 years ago.
0: Right, right. And it struck me that Credit unions are actually well positioned in some ways to grow, given that I'm talking about the younger generation that are more mission driven don't necessarily want a bank with a big a big nameless bank but need to have good financial services and I'm just wondering if you feel that that particular piece is something that credit unions are starting to kind of focus on
1: yeah I think you know we've always been mindful of that I mean in terms of you know, how the message and mission of credit unions really aligns with the younger generation. But, you know, the challenge is, you know, one, a lot of younger consumers aren't really aware of credit unions or aware that they can become a credit union member. And two, credit unions have lacked the technology to really reach those younger consumers. And you know, I think sort of the value proposition and, and trust and sort of the not-for-profit status of credit unions combine that with great technology, really creates a powerful combination to serve a lot of younger consumers. And so, I think there's a tremendous opportunity ahead to to reach more consumers, to continue to grow that membership base. Yeah, you know, the challenge that we have is is we know that you know, the average credit union member is you know 48 years old. Right And aging each year, so we really want to use these fintech companies as the tool to reach younger audiences and and kind of bring in that next generation of of credit union members
0: they're going to have high expectations when it comes to tech right
1: yeah absolutely
0: yes, and I mean the thing is it doesn't have to be a spectacular um, we we're just talking about this uh, just this morning, like you don't have to have the Absolute best app, but you've got to have a good enough app that's even maybe slightly better than good enough to keep people happy. So it doesn't have to be brilliant.
1: That's exactly right, and I think there are a lot of credit unions out there that are not even quite to the level of offering the kind of those basic services. And so, yeah, we keep encouraging those credit unions to, you know, to really look to these types of partnerships and. Yeah, the other thing that we're doing within CUNA Mutual, like you know, Mutual, we're really looking at how do we deliver a lot of these solutions into the credit union market. So we've also acquired about seven or eight fintech companies during the same period of time where we've invested in you know, over 50 companies through the portfolio. And, you know, let's deliver some integrated end-to-end solutions that we can take into credit unions to kind of help them grow to deliver better digital services to their members, and make it as easy as possible to integrate those solutions into those credit unions. And that's been a huge focus for the organization over the last few years.
0: So you're saying you actually acquire a fintech outright and then roll it out to your members or to the mutual members? Okay.
1: Right. So our team, we both handle the investing and the acquiring of companies. And so... part of that strategy is we'll look to invest in companies that can maybe enhance the capabilities of technology that we've acquired or that can create more robust solutions. And through, we call it the FinTech Solutions Group, you know, that's really kind of a go-to-market arm where we can integrate these technologies on the back end and deliver these very robust solutions. We uh, have really focused on on the auto lending vertical. That's really Mm -hmm. critical to credit unions. And so I think if you look at a a case study of what we've focused on is we've acquired two companies, one that provides transactional lending documents in the digital form, another company that that can run perpetual pre-approved loan offers so they can pre-approve credit union members for car loans. Now we have CarSaver, which is an auto buying platform that can be Integrated onto the credit union home banking page, mm. so a credit union member can see that they're they're prequalified for, let's say, a fifty thousand dollar new car loan. They can shop for that car on their website um, on the home banking page and go through the the financing and insuring of that vehicle, you know, really without leaving the the credit union's website and. Right. A lot of that is really kind of done behind the scenes where we've kind of built you know, this integrated solution and we're just rolling that out to, to credit unions now.
0: Right. Uh, a couple of questions before we close. I'd love to get your take on or your vision for the future of the credit union industry. I mean, what does a, a healthy and thriving credit union industry look like in 10 years' time?
1: If uh, at least a lot of the work we're doing you know, is successful... I'd love to see the average age of a credit union member be in the mid thirties. That means we've reached a new generation of credit union members. I think another thing that's really interesting and exciting, you know, credit unions really are focused on serving the middle market and lower middle market. So, you know, the underserved, the underbanked. And I think with technology, we'll create, you know, the tools necessary that will enable credit unions to reach a much broader segment of the U.S. population. And I'm really excited about sort of the future of credit unions and the opportunities that exist to serve a broader segment of our uh, U.S. population.
0: Right, right. Okay. This episode is going to be our, our last episode published in 2022. Would like to get your take as we we look to the new year. What are the fintech trends that you are following most closely for 2023?
1: We're closely tracking just sort of what is transpiring in the venture capital space in terms of funding and, you know, kind of where valuations will head as we go into 2023. I think we're also, you know, because of the importance and our focus on creating these partnerships between banks and credit unions on one hand and, and fintechs on the other, certainly watching what's happening on the regulatory front with sort of the Uh, insolvency of some of the companies in the crypto space and sort of, you know, the drumbeat that that's creating around regulation, will that kind of spill over and and create, you know, more regulation and, and oversight of fintechs generally? So, you know, kind of watching things on that space. You know, I think from the technology standpoint, we're really excited about the technology that's being deployed to drive a lot of automation into backend services. So that'll be a focus for us. And I think there's tremendous opportunities in the blockchain space as that technology to help on that front and to kind of level the playing field for smaller financial institutions to be in a better position to compete with some of the very large banks, because it will drive down in the next five, 10 years, a lot of the costs that have really hindered the smaller financial institutions and the U.S. market. So those are all the things that, that you know, we're certainly closely watching and, um, again, I think pretty excited about overall.
0: It is going to be exciting to see what transpires next year and beyond. Very much appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you, Peter. Well, that was our last episode of 2022. We'll be taking a couple of weeks off now. And before we close down the year, a couple of things. If you haven't done so already, Please leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. I would very much appreciate that. And finally, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Would like to wish all the listeners a happy holidays. Hope you have a restful and enjoyable time this holiday season. And we'll be back in 2023 with uh, some fantastic interviews on tap. Enjoy.